there are two differences between Lent and Advent. And I was listening to a talk that Father Chris was given where he was, he was given uh, a, a difference between Advent and Lent. One of the things that Father Chris said, which was really good, is he said, Lent is about penance, Advent is about preparation. And I'd like to go on that even a little bit further that Lent is about repentance. Advent is about encouragement. See that? So in Lent, you're really focused on repentance. It doesn't mean that you don't need repentance in Advent. It's more that Advent is more encouragement. And you see that in the Old Testament readings where you see this encouragement, the spirit of encouragement, of how many times during the day do we need to be encouraged? Encouragement is the opposite of discouragement. Notice those two words, they sound the same. You have discouragement and then you have encouragement. And it, it comes from the Latin word uh, core. Core means heart. So you hear the word encouragement, core, or discouragement. So discouragement literally means to take the heart out of something. So when you're discouraged in your spiritual life, that the heart is taken out. This is what Satan wants to do. Satan wants to rip the heart. He wants to rip our hearts out and discourage us. Satan's master plan for each one of us is not even so much to get us to sin, but it's to get us to be discouraged so that we don't get up from the sin, so that we don't try again. So it's not even so much sinning. Sinning is like the first step, but really discouragement is his ultimate plan for each one of us. If he gets us discouraged, then we're gonna give up. We won't go to confession. We won't repent. We, you know, we'll stop seeking the Lord. We'll stop praying. That's what he wants. Encouragement. So that's discouragement. So let's not stay on discouragement. This is not Lent here. This is Advent. Encouragement literally means to put the heart back in. So as discouragement means to take the heart out, encouragement means to put the heart back in. So when you feel heartless, when you feel like you've lost it, you, you don't have the spirit, like they do this in sports, this team has lost the spirit. And then all of a sudden, at halftime, they get a prep. They get like a coach prep, and the pro coach, encourage, and what does the coach do? He encourages them. He puts the heart back in. And all of a sudden, the team, what they begin to do is they begin to do small things. They begin to make small steps. And they say, well, let's just maybe pass the ball better. You know, think of like basketball. Let's dribble better. Let's block better. Or let's say soccer. Let's, you know, dribble or pass better. Whatever sport that, that you want. American football. Let's tackle better, better. Let's get some good tackles. Let's make some plays. Let's maybe get an interception, a fumble. And whatever sport that you like or want, it's, it's that when you have that encouragement and, and, you, and you make one play, that's all you have to do is just make one play, what happens is the whole entire spirit of the team changes. 
It changes because they're encouraged, because now they have the Spirit. See, that's the difference. When you have the Spirit, the Spirit, it's the, that's why we call it the Spirit of encouragement. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit that we have to constantly pray for, to be encouraged for the Lord to put the heart back into us and to always try. So even if you sin again and again and again and again and again, the same sins over and over and over again, and you confess the same sins over and over and over and over again. Notice how I'm exaggerating it? Because that's the way it is in our spiritual life. And you hear confessions all the time here, so it's, you know, it's common. It, you know, you fall into the same sins over and over again. And the thing is, there, there's a part of you that wants to be discouraged. And what we priests always try to do in the sacrament of confession, always encourage a person. Always put the heart back in. Hey, you're here again. That's good. You're humbling yourself. You're confessing your sin. You know, there is a bit of repentance in Advent. So you're confessing your sin. You're trying again. You're getting back up. Be encouraged because you're making a step today. You know, you're, hey, make another step. Pray more. You know, pray to the Blessed Mother. Pray to your guardian angel to help you. Pray to whatever saint that you like, whatever saint is your favorite saint, to encourage you. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Pray to Jesus, go to his wounds, pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet, pray the Rosary. There's lots of things that we can do. Open up the Bible, ask God for a Bible verse. You know, turn on this live stream, get encouraged, get encouraged again. You know, bring the spirit up again. That's what we need to do. So as, as God is always trying to encourage us, he's always trying to put the heart back into us. That's what we should do with one another. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. Build one another up. Don't tear each other down. There's too much tearing down in our society. And we don't need to tear each other down. There's a society that's trying to tear us down. What we need to do as Christians is to encourage each other, to build one another up. Hey, we're in the same boat. <laughs> And the storm is all around us. The storm is all around us. We're all in the same boat. So let's encourage each other and not throw each other off board. Because sometimes that's what Christians do. We're throwing each other off board. Instead of keeping each other on the boat and helping one another as the storms are all around us. And so the Lord always wants to encourage us. He wants to put the heart back into us. Put that spirit back into us, raise us back up. And so you, you see all these images in Isaiah that's really wonderful. God uses the, the first image of a woman who's barren, a woman who's infertile, who has not given birth. And what the Lord is saying is that even though you're infertile, now you're going to break forth into jubilant song, you who are not in labor. Now you're going to give birth to children, and not only to one child, but to many, many children. That, that you're going to give birth to so many children that you're going to fill up your cities. Remember the, the, the Lord's precept in Genesis, be fruitful and multiply. God loves children. He loves children. 
He wants us to be fruitful and to multiply. And so you see this with Elizabeth in the New Testament, where Elizabeth is barren for most of her life. And all of a sudden, she conceives a child, John, who becomes the prophet, the forerunner of Christ. And then the visitation where Mary visits Elizabeth. And, and, and they're both enjoyed. They're both two pregnant women. One is older, one is younger. And they're both in a song of joy. See that? So it's fulfilled in the New Testament with Elizabeth and Mary. And this is where the Lord wants to encourage us. Even if you feel your spiritual life is barren, it will bear fruit. You just got to be patient. You just got to allow the Lord to work with you. Yes, even through suffering, even through trials, the Lord will work with you through suffering, trials, sicknesses. Sometimes we just have to accept them and bear them. It doesn't mean that we do it alone. We need help from others to accept suffering and trials. But know that they will bear fruit. That, that, that even though we may feel forsaken, but the Lord is still with us in those trials and those sufferings. The second image that God uses is he uses an image of like a wife that's forsaken. Like a husband that has abandoned his wife because the wife was unfaithful to the husband. And the husband comes back to his wife. He comes back to her and he embraces her and he takes her back and he's faithful to his covenant. His love for her is a love of faithfulness to her. It's, it's in the Hebrew, they have a word for love. It's called chesed. Chesed. Can you see that? Chesed. You have to look like, you know, you have to do it with your, you know, guttural. So chesed, it means love, but it's not a feeling love. So in modern culture, we always associate love with feeling. Oh, I, I, I feel for him or I feel for her. It's not so much on feeling. Feelings can come and go. That, that's why we should never base our love or our life on feelings. Because you may feel happy one day. You may feel sad one day. Feelings are up and down. So don't always base it on feeling. Rather, chesed is a love of faithfulness where you're faithful, where you're steadfast, where I'm going to stick it out through thick and thin in this covenant of marriage, no matter what happens, no matter if my spouse is faithful or unfaithful, even if there's sickness, even if there's trial, that I'm going to I'm going to stick it out. It's going to be a steadfast love. That's what chesed means. It means that it means a faithful love to the covenant. And this is God's love for Israel and for each one of us. Even if we are unfaithful, God remains faithful. Even if we reject God, God never rejects us. God sticks with us. He's faithful to our, he's faithful to the covenant. Even if we rebel against him, I, I hear so many times that people will say, 
For so many years, I abandoned God. I did not go to church. I did not care about him. I did not pray. I did not care about my neighbor. I only cared about myself. I only surrounded my life by myself, by my work, by my material possessions. I never put God in my life all those years. And I abandoned God. And I thought that coming back to church, that God would not accept me. That God would not call me back. That God would not have mercy on my misery. And what they find is that God has great mercy on a person's misery that comes back. And what they also find about God's love is that even though they abandoned God for so many years, but what they discover is that God never left them. They left God. God never left them. God is faithful to his covenant, even if we abandon him for years and come back then we discover God's steadfast love, his chesed for us. And that's great and wonderful to discover again. And we're in awe at God's steadfast love. There's a, an, another word beside chesed that's used here. And it's the word for mercy in the Old Testament. The, the Hebrew word for mercy is rachamim, rachamim. Rachamim literally comes from the wound, comes from the word rachem, which means womb in Hebrew. It's a word that comes from womb, which means that God's mercy upon us is, is like a woman who protects the child in her womb who nourishes the child with her own body, with her own life. That's a beautiful word, rachamim, for mercy in the Old Testament. That God is the one who surrounds us with his mercy, his love. Even, if we, even when we discover our misery, we have to discover our misery. People think it's bad to discover your misery. Actually, it's a good thing to discover your misery. It's not a bad thing, because some people presume on God's mercy. That's not good. They think that they can get to heaven by no repentance. No, you don't want to do that. You want to discover your, your misery. But in discovering your misery, you then want to discover mercy at the same time. So as you realize your misery, realize that mercy is there. And as Jesus says in the diary of St. Faustina, there is no misery that is a match for my mercy. No misery that is a match for my mercy. I'd like to share with, uh, with you a story I read yesterday on a... Uh, it was a Life News website. It was an abortion doctor who had committed thousands upon thousands upon thousands of abortions in a Planned Parenthood clinic. And he said that 
you know, there were, I guess, pro-lifers that were praying outside. And one of the pro-lifers gave him a pamphlet. Gave him a pamphlet, I guess, on the development of the baby in the mother's womb. And he said, as he was performing the abortion, something in his pamphlet came, you know, he, he read this, he, he like looked at the pamphlet, but he kept the pamphlet for some reason. And he said, as he was performing the abortion, the images in the pamphlet came to his mind. And he said, at that moment, something happened. Grace happened. Mercy happened. Came into his life. He said, something happened. He began to weep after that abortion. He began to repent. He began to see what it was he was actually doing. He began seeing his own misery in his life. And he said... He left the abortion clinic, has not performed any abortions after that. And he he basically said, how could God bestow his mercy upon me when I have done such evil on my life? He said that I deserve hell. A person like me deserves hell for what I've done, for what I've done to so many men and women and families. And yet, there is no misery that is a match for my mercy. There is no misery that is a match for my mercy. As misery increases, so does mercy increase. Could this abortion doctor be forgiven and receive God's mercy? Think about it. Some of you might say, no, there's no way. There is no misery that is a match for my mercy. That's what Jesus says. That's not what Father Anthony says. Jesus says that. I'm only quoting Jesus. The misery of an abortion doctor is still not a match for God's mercy. Yes, he has to repent. Yes, he has to do reparation. Lots of reparation. But still, he can receive God's mercy. That's why God's mercy is like that woman who's pregnant, like a woman's womb, where God's mercy surrounds us with that love, an enduring love in his arms. He takes us back with tenderness, with mercy, with compassion. That is why Advent is always about encouragement. We always speak about God's steadfast love, his mercy. Yes, there is repentance that's in there. There is repentance. So don't think of it as a false mercy. I don't want you to think of that or write Father Chris emails and letters and drive him crazy. No, it's, there is repentance, but there's more encouragement. And when, we're, when we see our misery, then we see God's mercy and the bridge between our misery and God's mercy is trust. Trust or confidence. I like both words, trust and confidence. That we have to have trust is the bridge between misery and mercy. 
confidence. Always have that, it's what's called the virtue of magnanimity. Always be magnanimous. So both St. Faustina and St. Therese both said, even if I committed all the sins in the world and had one foot in hell, still I would trust in the mercy of God. So there might be someone listening that might be like that. That might say, yes, Father, I have committed all the sins of the world. I have one foot in hell. Still trust in God's mercy. Trust in God's mercy. That God won't let you down if you just trust in his mercy. That's why the Lord encourages us. He keeps encouraging us like a sports team, get out there. You know, even though you're like four touchdowns down, get out there and make one play and turn this game around. That's why the Lord, that's why the word repentance always means to turn around, to, to you know, to go in the opposite direction. That's why third week in Advent, even if you're just kind of beginning and even if you feel like, ah, my spiritual life, ah, it's, it's really miserable, it's down. Turn it around, make one play right now. Today, make one play today. Do something good, be encouraged. Take that trust and go to God's mercy. And once you go to God's mercy, God will change you from the inside out and make you go toward him and not away from him, experiencing his great steadfast love and mercy that he has for each and every one of us. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.com Org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.